Om Namo Narayanaya, Namaste. Mein Premanandas Bhagat Hun, or mein Swami Narayan Hindu Hun. Welcome. Let us chant the Gayatri Mantra. Om Bhavasvaha Tatsavita Vrenyamago Dimahidu No Naf Pacholdayan. I would like to now read from the book Living Dharma by Sri Dharma Acharya. This is a hot little take, just a heads up. Marxism is a demonic totalitarian system that is predicated upon the idea that the highest authority is derived from the lowest echelons of society rather than from a transcendent source. Marx's social theory has proven itself repeatedly to be thoroughly unworkable in any social national construct. Dharma, on the other hand, teaches us that if we wish to create the very highest form of civilization, then we must derive our model from the most excellent and highest sources. Marxism seeks to make heaven into a hellish domain while Dharma seeks to transform hell into a heavenly realm. Marxism is the very philosophical antithesis of Dharma, or natural law. Ah, well, you know where I'm going. And uh, I wasn't even going to do an episode today. I have to go buy a new phone, and I was going to record some videos for the channel. I haven't even taken a shower yet, thus the hat because my hair is sticking up, but I saw something in the news and I just was like, oh, oh, made me so frustrated. And it ties into things that I have said on this proof. I'm going to take a drink, though. I'm going to try to remain calm. Sometimes I get really heated on things. <laughs> I'm passionate, you could say, about the world. Okay. Also, my mug, for those of you who can see, is Mr. Rogers. I love Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers' neighborhood uh, aside, I grew up with him. Many of us grew up with this great man, and he is a great man. People say, oh, he was demonic, or he was this, or a abuser, but he wasn't. They just can't believe that such a great man walked the earth. I truly believe that when he died, when the show went off the air, actually, that's when things started to fall down. Seriously. Because everyone I knew who grew up on him, they seemed to be, well, a lot of them seemed to be okay. But once he left and we had Teletubbies and whatever, I think the world changed. I think the world changed. Because we didn't have any great men to take over from him. Uh, maybe not. Maybe I'm just honoring his memory. <laughs> I don't know. So I am a writer, and writing and censorship and stuff are issues or is an issue that is really big for me. It's, it's huge for me. Book burning, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Censorship even, I'm really touch and go on it. I do not like censoring books. But I understand if you don't want to show a pornographic movie before 10 o'clock. To me, that's not censorship, though. That's just 
you, you're just moving it to a, a better time period for older folks, but you're not getting rid of it. Folks can still watch it. We talk now about censorship of books in school libraries. Oh, they're censoring books by not having this book. No, that's actually, in my mind, not necessarily censorship. Because you can still get that book. You can go to another library. You can go online. You can go on Amazon. You can go to the bookstore. You can still get that book. You just can't get it at that one library. If we really had censorship, I believe that a book would not just be available not at one library, but nowhere. Censorship for me is just, it's just a huge thing. We all know the history of book burning and the history of censorship, and it goes on a long time, and, and there may never be an end to it. But I think we have now graduated to a new level, and that is instead of just censoring books, instead of just banning them completely and causing the rile of this group or whatever, we now edit them. And we don't tell anybody we're editing the book. We're making the book more inclusive by changing the writer's words. I saw this myself a couple years ago. I bought a book, uh, a, a newer printing, whatever, of, of Agatha Christie. Didn't think anything of it. Open it up. And there in the front it said, we have made this book more inclusive by editing out racist ideas and words. Just a little paragraph. You might gloss over it. And I went, oh, no, I don't, I don't like this. I mean, I don't even know what they edited out. So maybe I, I might like it or not. But probably I, I, I just felt really bad about it. It just made me feel so uncomfortable. The problem with things like this is no one knows they're doing this. You know, who knew that they edited an Agatha Christie book published three years ago? I didn't know it. Nobody knew it. No one talks about it in the news. If they banned the book, it would be talked about in the news. So this is how this is the how they've brought censorship to a new level, how they brought book banning to a new level. They just don't tell you, and they're changing the writer's words. The thing is, though, it is willy-nilly. So I'm reading this book, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, so some racist term is not going to be here. And you know what racist term might be there. I don't need to tell you. I don't know anywhere in the book. I can't even remember now. It was a collection of short stories. There may have been a few words here or there. I didn't even notice where they might have been. I couldn't really tell. But I came up at one point to a description of a servant who was described as a humble, um, uh, what's the word? I don't remember the word. I'm looking for really sort of, uh, oh, yes, yes, oh, thank you, I will help you, Chinamen. Oh, my God. So I'm like, you you wrote out all the racist words, but yet you left in this derogatory description of a Chinese servant in France and whatever time Hercule Poirot is supposedly living. Wait a minute. You mean that's okay to paint Chinese people in a really subservient position and call them Chinamen? That's okay? Really? And that's actually a character in one of the stories versus a black person who there were none in this story. So you remove something of nothing characters, but you left that in? That's, that's censorship now. It's willy-nilly because it's always willy-nilly. 
or the one I see occasionally is um, it's okay if you have a book and you're describing Christians and you call them stupid. That's okay. You can do that. That's not censorship. But uh, don't call someone who's liberal stupid. They're actually open-minded. You know, I see that. I've seen that. It's really strange when I see that. Uh, books describing conservatives as horrible and they, they go on and on. That's okay. That's okay because conservatives are evil, horrible people. To describe a liberal, though, well, you know, you wouldn't do that. So this is the way censorship works. It's not uniform and it's really only about a few groups. And it sends a message to you. And I'm not even mentioning the aspect of it just changes words of the writer. And as a writer, I work hard on what I write and I put it in there in a certain way. And I really try to get the best language. So for someone to then edit it to make it better uh, pisses me off. Anyways, I'm talking about this today because I saw an article about Roland Dahl. You may have seen news about him. Uh, they have edited his books for inclusiveness. According to one article, let me just pull it up here. They, uh, I have it cited below. Uh, they had hundreds of changes to his works because he's an anti-Semite. So therefore, they have to change his books. Now, I've read a few of his books. We all have. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I've read a few others because I was attempting to date this girl once who was really into him. So I read a few of the books. I didn't think anything of them. I thought they were okay. I wasn't really that crazy about them. They were cute. Uh, I didn't walk away being a racist. I didn't walk away being a misogynist or a bigot or anything else. I didn't walk away if, with any real changed point of view. But yet, that's the assumption here. And so, I guess that's the assumption. That if you read his books that you're going to read his words and become a bigot. So they had to make hundreds of changes to his books, and it, and it got out in the public. The article below is just one of many articles which is probably flooding the Internet right now. This is the one that came into my email, and it pissed me off so much. Now, you may agree, you may disagree, or whatever. I totally disagree with this, obviously. But I'd like to segue now to something that I've mentioned in a previous episode. So I mentioned in one episode or another on how the, I think it was actually in jest and in passing, how the Chinese are creating a new translation of the Bible. And it is not just authoritative, because they said so. It is not just 100% accurate, because they said so. But it is also woke, progressive, inclusive, or all those things according to communist China. It is pro-communist, likely. It is uh, not necessarily woke, but it is Marxist. It is socialist. It is everything they approve of. It's 100% accurate translation because Jesus and God and everyone who wrote any Bible book are socialists, right? Right? Of course not. If someone said that to you, and if someone's telling, uh, you would laugh. Or if someone said to me, oh, the Chinese have a new authoritative, communist-approved, quasi-woke-whatever-agenda, New World Order-approved Bible, and it's, it's really great, you would laugh at that person. I can't see a single Christian minister in America going, oh, I'm, we got to get this version for our church. Nobody will be saying that unless China says, we'll give you a million dollars 
if you take our books, never said. No one's going to say that this is the authoritative edition because we know it's not. We know it's not. We know when you change a book and you have an agenda, you're destroying the book. Well, we laugh at them and we make fun of them, but yet there are people online from the little bit that I saw saying that the changes to Roland Dahl, i.e. taking his original manuscript and making changes that him and maybe his estate, I don't know, do or do not approve of, making changes that really don't need to be made, there are people defending that. That's okay. So it's okay to make changes to a novel to make it more inclusive, which is also the code word for Marxist. But it's, but yet we're probably also going to laugh when the Chinese make changes to a Bible to make it more inclusive or woke, progressive, whatever Marxist. Think about that. What is really the difference between the Chinese writing a new book or or retrans retranslating? Is it really probably what they're doing? What is the difference between and the Chinese changing words in a book to make it Marxist versus a publisher changing words in a novel to make it Marxist. What is the difference? There isn't any. But yet, there's people defending Roland Dahl. They're not defending China, because they know that's stupid. But it's their side, so they're defending it. There's hypocrisy in action here. But it's also mind-numbing. And it's scary. Because if they're going to change Roland Dahl, they're going to change Agatha Christie. Who is next? Who is next? I saw something this weekend about uh, how all these old authors are racist, misogynists, and bigots, uh, uh, including George Orwell, because his book advocates against Marxism, uh, including Shakespeare, because I think he advocates against what would become Marxism. Basically, all these authors, which are bad, uh, are those that advocate against Marxism, and thus they're now racist. We shouldn't read racist books. So we're, we're, those authors who we can edit are just banned. Those we can edit, we will. Is that the future trend? And it seems that nothing is out of bounds. So we can do redo the Bible. We've already done it a million times, but we can redo it again. We can we redo uh, novels, classic literature. What is out of bounds? Probably nothing at this point. So in 50 years, will every book be questionably edited to be inclusive? Will James Joyce or Moby Dick or, I don't know, Ready Player One be edited to be more inclusive after the fact? Will Jack Kerouac's book On the Road be edited to now be a love story between two men? Is this the future we're looking at? Where other novels will just be created by an AI straight off, so we won't even have a real author behind them? Or will there be an AI creating the sequel to On the Road in the spirit of Jack Kerouac, but now it will be better? The future is a scary one when we don't know who writes our books. It is really scary. I am reading right now a cool book. This will be the last little bit. It's called The Vakshan Namrud Handbook. It is a guide to 
the great, wonderful text, the Vakshan Namrut, um, the discourses of Swami Narayan. And this handbook talks about India in the late 1700s and the 1800s, everything you could possibly think of life in India. And then it moves on and it talks about those who followed uh, Swami Narayan. And then it talks about the writing of the book and then the theology. So it paints this amazing picture so you can dive into the Vachan Mirut and, and understand it. But just last night, I was reading a chapter on describing. So they, uh, I don't know, either recorded or Swami Narayan did 2,000 talks over a, a decade. And I, maybe they recorded 2,000 talks. And they took 200 and something of, 260 something of them to preserve in the Vacham Nirut. And four authors, all living at the same time, were involved in this. And they were all disciples. And this book goes into details on how we know this is the actual words of the guru, of Swami Narayan. We know these are the actual words and not edits because Swami Narayan read the text and approved it. We have criticisms of the editors themselves or in the books, like they ask questions and, and Swami Narayan goes, nope, you're wrong. And they put it in there. Who would put that in there? It's humiliating to put in your own book that you were wrong. We have uh, recordings of other things and this, and we can compare the uh, um, syntax of how the Swami was speaking, or yeah, how Swamiji was speaking over his career, over his life, and as he moved from Hindi to Gujarati language-wise, and, and how his language changed. And we can see, okay, this is clearly, this is clearly his, his speaking versus, uh, you know, showing a, a, uh, something that was supposedly written by him, for example, we could, we could show something that's written by him in perfect Gujarati at the beginning of his, his life, when he wasn't speaking Gujarati, you'd immediately know that that wasn't correct, you know, it was wrong. Or at the end of his life, when he was only doing Gujarati to show something in Hindi, we can know, oh, that's not right either. So there's this chapter, and I'm just doing it like a horrible summary on it, but it goes into all these points on how we know that this text, which is actually sitting right behind me, matter of fact, it's a thick text, is the actual words of this avatar of Krishna. And it's, it's amazing to read this because the first thing we ask when we get a religious book is, how do we know it's true? How do we know this is the words spoken by God? How do we know this is the actual teachings? It's really important for those of us who are spiritual to know we have the actual teachings. I know for a fact, or that means not say fact, I have a 99.9% .9 guess based on my vast reading. And just so you know, this bookshelf is double stacked. So whatever books you see here, there's a row right behind it. You can see there's two rows here. There's a stack of books right here. I read a lot, and this is one bookshelf. I have another one here and then books and storage. Actually, I have another one right behind me. I read a lot. And one thing I see is books supposedly written by a spiritual teacher, but really not. The book came after the teacher died. It's written by a student and edited together. 
or the teacher was alive, and it's a synthesis of different things that they put the teacher's name on. Uh, I used to belong to a spiritual group that did this all the time. Oh my gosh, if they hadn't put speeches and stuff together, edited it, and then gave it to the teacher for approval, their book collection would be so small. We know for a fact that there is a marketing plan here. Hey, the teacher does a talk. They don't have time to actually write. We'll put stuff together and put it out there, and the teacher doesn't have to write anything. And the question then becomes, are those books the actual words of the teacher, or are these the interpretations by students? When I was a part of Adidam, following Adidas Samraj, very briefly, for a few years, I was told the story that at one point, some of the disciples were changing the books to make them better, to make changes that Adida should have been making. And he found out about this and said, no way are you doing that, and created a new system where his original, I don't remember exactly how the system was, but his original draft would now be instead of like typed out, he would now write it out on a red piece of paper. And then, um, so you could always see the original draft on this piece of paper in his own handwriting. And then edits would always be done in handwriting. So if someone ever asked, is this book his, they can then show the original. And so I, I don't know what he did to all those books that students make changes on. He might have, he might have said, get rid of them. They're not me. So it's really important in spiritual circles to have the authentic text. But if we are now in a society where they are changing the Bible, they're changing Agatha Christie, they're changing Roland Dahl, of all people, who else is next? What religious text is next? Are we going to now see a woke Marxist progressive Quran? Are we now going to see the... Uh, complete writings of Buddha that endorse Marxism and wokeism and anything else and trans lives. I don't know. I don't know. But I believe it's 100% possible if we don't stop this now. So I'm going to end here. I have rambled. I'm no longer as anxious as I was at the beginning. Hopefully you've gotten something out of this. My apologies. I, this was such a haphazard decision to do this. Uh, I, the light has been bothering me and I didn't want to fix it. And um, this has been one of my rambles, but <laughs> if you watch my show, you know that's what I do half the time. But this is just uh, the only uh, one. I think I've said this before. When I was in college, uh, I did two marches and one was for censorship. And the other one was for something stupid on campus. It didn't even matter. Nothing changed. It was a complete waste of time. Um, but I, I did the original one on censorship because it's something that I I was like, I, I don't do marches. I don't do protests. I don't do any of that. I never have and I never will. And I, don't, I will not stand on the street with a sign for reasons that are irrelevant right now. But I said, no, no, this is censorship. This to me is above. This is the issue. I, I can't stand by on this issue. That's one of my big issues. That's not saying other issues to me aren't important like um, the sex industry and, and Epstein and all these other things. Yes, that deserves protesting. That's hugely important. And, and the sex in trade is something I absolutely hate. Um, there's lots of things out here I absolutely hate. 
But censorship is very close to home, being a writer. Speaking of which, I'm going to bring this to a close. If you want to see what I have written, there's a link to my website below of all the books I've got going on. And um, I update it whenever something's new. And you can look below for what I've written and what I don't want people censoring. The only person who should censor my writing is me before it goes out to press. <laughs> or if I don't like it, I take it out of publication and maybe rewrite it and turn it into something else. But that's different. If I write something that's not woke, that's not progressive, that's not whatever agenda, that's not conservative or liberal, whatever, it's because there is a message that I want to put out that is my message. It's not yours. It's not this. It's not whatever. It's what I want to say. I have a couple books of poetry out, and those poems were my, excuse me, my views at the time. I don't want them censored. Maybe I might rewrite them, but I don't want them censored by somebody else. That would just be, I, I, no, I can't. Uh, maybe you agree. Maybe you don't. Maybe you think I'm off my rocker. But the fact we have news articles coming out all the time verifying what I'm talking about, I hope I'm not too much off my rocker. You could even call me a curmudgeon old man at 45. I'm fine with that. But I, I just, I, I believe that the world is going into a dark place, and I, I don't want it to go there. And I believe if we don't stop it now, it will. And then it'll be too late. And they'll be like, uh-oh, I shot my left foot. Why did I do that? Well, it's too late now. You got to hop. And I believe God realization can keep the light out. Sorry, can keep the dark out. <laughs> it's time to end the show. So anyways, thank you for joining me on this last minute uh, frustration moment. Jai Shri Krishna. Jai Shri Swami Narayan. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna Harry Harry, Harry Rama Harry Rama, Rama Rama Harry Harry. <laughs>